you're still up and it's nine o'clock in the evening. Get away to your bed. Or <laughs> decide to stay and listen and be part of the Sanctuary First Weekly Review. Welcome to the Sanctuary First Weekly Review. I'm Albert Bogle and we have with us uh, tonight uh, James Cuthcart. Hello there, Albert. Nice to be and here with you. Our usual. And also Lorna Dagen. Hello. Great to and be here. Unfortunately, we've, the doc is not with us tonight. The doc Aww. is not in the house. He's not Aww. in the house tonight. So, so we won't get all the sort of latest uh, uh, information about what's happening in the National Health Service out there in, in the, you know, at, at, at the coalface. But uh, anyway, we've not got uh, Ian with us tonight. But we do have with us uh, tonight, we've got the uh, Reverend Dr. Val Heinmarsh, who's Associate Minister at uh, Norbury Parish Church and uh, she is, comes from a background of education and literacy, and, uh, but she's moved into and working, I think, it's an, as an associate minister with the, within the Church of England in Norbury Parish. But Val's going to be joining us. Uh, we'll just wait for her to come and be part of our, our conversation this evening. She will join us at some point, and when she does, we'll welcome her. She'll zoom in, as you but say, she'll Albert. Zoom she'll in, zoom in, yeah, yeah. She'll zoom in. But tonight we're going to talk about uh, imagination because it's such a powerful thing. It can allow us to unlock our potential and innovate, but it can also be a form of escapism. And uh, rather than living life in all its fullness, we can use our imaginations to tune us out and to switch off. And uh, perhaps uh, we need to find ways in which we can use our imagination in creative ways, but also in wholesome ways rather than just imagining in order to uh, become, I suppose, live in a fairyland. A bit like mm -hmm. when I was at school, in primary school, the primary school teacher used to say to me, Bogle, what are you doing there? Daydreaming, looking out the window. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny to imagine schoolboy Albert. Yeah. That's quite oh, interesting. Yeah, schoolboy Albert with these glasses on. <laughs> Often a dwam. Often a dwam, thinking about, oh... Sanctuary first. <laughs> <laughs> I can well, see the biopic now. I can see. I was in the hope. <laughs> focus, yeah. Bogle. Focus. Focus. Focus, Bogle. Yeah. Nothing will come of you, boy. Nothing. <laughs> oh, I know. Whenever I was, uh, whenever I was young, I was always in a wee bit of a daydream. I was, uh, I always dreamed about. It was like. I was on the stage. I was always imagining mm. myself on the stage. So that was that. It's, uh, uh, oh, yes. Yes, yeah, so I like this idea of imagination. It's such an important thing, you know, because if, if, we, if we, we, imagination must be at the root of making things happen in creativity. You need to mm. be able to imagine. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Do you know it's that same? That's I, I find. Uh, I think see when you is whenever you give a focus to something, mm. and I think whenever you can, um, and I think as well as about the intention, isn't it? It's the intention behind it. But I, it has always surprised me how how many times things that I have imagined, you know, within my life, you know, that I would really like to do, or take part in or be involved in and in some form or other I think it's whenever because when you give this focus to things it usually you know comes about in some way and, and it makes you then think actually see if we really could harness that you know imagine you know the great things that we could achieve you know for the benefit of like Oh, mm. like for the world. Mm. And if we're using their imagination, you know, in conjunction with God, you know, like, oh, how powerful, how powerful is that then? <laughs> uh -huh. Absolutely. That ability to um, imagine that something else is possible, that something mm -hmm. other than what we're doing could happen. And uh, just the other day, I was watching the beginning of a documentary that you recommended, uh, Laura, on BBC4 about the history of writing. Yes. Um, and because of my daughter, I only got about 15 minutes in, um, but I'm going to go back to it. But um, they were talking about this idea of the sort of fundamental shift when we moved from pictures to words um, in kind of human history and this idea of not just 
showing something and that is that thing but there's something could represent something else and then laterally that that could represent sound um and so i think this kind of sense that you know when you think about imagination to think what who were those early people who started thinking well what if what if that wasn't just all that that was you know and then look at us here on the internet which relies on you know coding and numbers and so many complex systems and stuff but because people took those leaps they took those jumps and thought oh do you know what maybe maybe something else could happen um and uh yeah so it's really exciting to think about what what can be unlocked if we can just kind of pretend right if we can pretend something can be and then mm -hmm. actually it can come into fruition it's interesting you know like when we look at the we, we say we are created in the image of god in in his image and what is that image? It's something to do with this, the freedom that he's given mm. us to think and to imagine. And uh, if you go to the story, you know, in, in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. You know, so did God think light? Let's make light, you know. And then it happens, <laughs> you know. God's you know, imagination. That's pretty you cool. Know, you know, God's imagination, you know, God... Let, 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 and let this happen. What about this? And, uh, and, and then God saw that it was good. It's, and it's that kind of thing. I often think about that. Like, did God giggle, you know, and say, oh, <laughs> look at this. This is just wonderful. Look what we've made. Oh, this is pure amazing. <laughs> you know, because, and, and somehow we, 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 we respond in that kind of way when we, when sometimes we make something that we're very proud of. We don't want maybe mm. even other people to, to see us doing it, but we go, oh, that's really, that, that's turned out really well. I didn't expect, <laughs> you know, and it's real delight, you know, when something that you thought about and it actually all comes together, mm -hmm. you know. Or when it you is, see, and it, and it's... yeah. Oh, oh I was just going to say that, that, oh, we've done it again, but I was just going to say that the idea that we're in the image of God and God the creator has made people who can create. Um, so that was all I was going to say. It's quite yeah. cool, isn't it? The, the creation continues. And it's when you see people who really can create and doing something that they're really, really good at and you see it all coming together and it, it, it's, you know, just quite, quite amazing, you know. Mm. I was thinking, Laura, about your um, Christian Creatives podcasts that, that, you, that you did, that, yeah. that series, um, oh. and kind of looking back on a few of them together, were there any things that kind of came out to you about imagination or, or the kind of creative process that kind of held through those? I think it's actually being, I think it's for people to, to not feel constrained, you know, and also not to be defined by, you know, what people tell you as creative you know um and but being actually trusting what you're you know trusting what you're feeling inside you know that and trusting where that spark is coming from you know because I think sometimes well actually I think often that spark is coming from you know is coming from the Lord you know, and it's and it's been able to trust that because God has, as you said, you know, as this, you know, the creator has made, you know, others that can create as well. So, and um, for me, that that's it. The people that I spoke to, it was about this, you know, trusting, trusting what was coming to them, and you know, getting it out there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when, when has it become creative and when does it become escapism from reality? Mm. Mm. Interesting, isn't it, to kind of to ponder how much in our life do we, you know, it's a good thing to be able to engage the imagination. And it's not a bad thing, like escapism gets a bad rep, but it's not necessarily bad to take some time to escape, you know, when things get tough or are difficult and we're facing things. But it's like, it's not a place we can stay. I think that's part of the problem. And, and I think if we want to stay there, if we want to stay stuck living in something that's imagined and just has no link to reality, then it's almost like a holiday, isn't it? Like, it's okay to dream. Yeah. Um, but maybe you've got to wake up from time to time 
and 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 I think that's maybe the the kind of balance. It's not that necessarily escapism is always bad. Hey, hey, guys, we're joined. We're joined oh. by Val again. But tonight, hey. tonight we've she's here. Got, she's we've here. got a doc to replace the doc. This is a veteran <laughs> doc. Welcome. We were down welcome, a doctor, Val. Val. All right. Um, nice. We're down, Doctor Jameson. This is Laura, and there's Albert. Not seen you for a while. Hey. I haven't seen you for a while. Yet. It's lovely to see you. Mm. Uh, Do you know how long we've known each other? We've known each other. I think yeah. maybe. I, I don't know. No, I, I don't know. I maybe, do. Maybe fifty years. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And you know, I first met Val. Used to sing. And she had hair like uh, out, bushy hair out like uh, what do you call him? The Simon Garfunkel, <laughs> Garfunkel, <laughs> blonde, blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah. Right, a great singer and uh, songwriter and working in the arts always. Oh, fantastic! So was, yeah. Many years ago in summer mission. I had sticky out here a few weeks ago until Paul told me to cut it off. It was a disaster, and it was actually. <laughs> Yes, it's been an interesting year for hair 2020. <laughs> yeah. I kept yeah. hoping it would be okay, but I mean, the reality was it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've just been discussing the idea of escaping from reality and confronting reality. Right. So. Yeah, we've just been discussing imagination and uh, thinking about how important imagination is in creativity. Uh, and we might go on and talk about that later on when we're going to, we're going to talk a bit about poetry because we've noticed in, in at least two of your uh, um, contributions this week, you reference poems. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things about James Cuthcart is that he's a poet, he writes poetry. And uh, so it was a, a nice link across all this tonight that we think... Not, uh, so, not only, I've just been listening for since 7.30 to Rachel Mann's poems. Do you know those, James? Uh, no, Rachel no, I'm not terribly Mann. familiar, no. Um, no, yeah. a good one. Do you recommend? Do you recommend? Absolutely. Um, the latest, I think the latest book, A Kingdom of Love. Um, yeah, she's Manchester based. And yeah, worth looking at, really worth looking at. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, you're getting, we're getting recommendations tonight as well. That's, That's great. great. Absolutely. Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hello, Laura. Not said hello, hello to you. Hi. Hello. Uh, dear. Well, we're delighted that you can join us, Val, and uh, and thanks for making the time, and and thanks once again for writing for us. Um, it's been a delight to read your work this week. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, also I know that we're delighted that you're with us because I know that you're busy because you're about to be uh, licensed as yeah. a, as, a, a mm. as an associate minister. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, is that going to be a full-time post or is that like a non-stipendary post or how does that work yeah, in the Church of England? it's non-stipendary and it's also part-time because, yeah, I am actually retirement age now and in two weeks' time I pick up my state pension. <laughs> <laughs> it's a month of um, great occurrences. <laughs> but isn't it great that you can move, at different times, move into a new, a new form of service, do something completely different, and yeah. uh, and start again in a new way to serve and to uh, focus mm. on a new chapter in your life. Absolutely. Do you ever and retire as Christians? No. If we're called no. to do something, someone yeah. sent me a note about this. There's no escape. Here. Yeah. If you're called to be, to share the good news of the gospel, how, how can you say, ah, well, I'm, I'm just now retiring? I think retiring is a. Uh, it's a constr- it's a, I think they're retiring something to do with insurance companies that wanted people to have retirement plans. I think as well, it's, I think it's really important that that we do move on to, you know, maybe different projects and things like that. Because, you know, as we get older, we have more wisdom, you know, and uh, we can bring different uh, skills, you know, in various projects. But also thinking about, we can also... It reinvigorates, you know, our imagination and our creativity whenever we do move on to different things, you know, after a while and continually, you know, I think we're lifelong mm. learners, you know, mm-hmm. and like that we can always be learning things and we can always be sharing things. 
So I, I don't think, I think I'll be, I, I know, I don't think I'll ever retire. <laughs> well, it's interesting, it's interesting to have the peer review on tonight because Laura has just started her probationary period as a minister in the Church of Scotland and you're starting as an associate uh, again. Yeah. So that's so both that of you at the Laura? same times. What is probationary period? Does that mean you've done some study already? Yes, uh -huh. and I've been yes. on a few, well, I've had three placements, I've, um, and this is my this is my 15 months before they, they like say I can be let loose, like, officially. Ah, right. <laughs> so this is a, it's a good period, actually, because it means then that, you know, I can learn things before... Uh, the full responsibility is mine. <laughs> yes. So you'll stay, you, you'll go to a different church after those 15 months. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Which is normally what people in my position would do also. But because of my great age and uh, because of the proximity of, of the church to, to where we live, um, I, I'm going to stay there, in fact. Mm. And, and it's lovely. I love it. And we've got a new... Um, uh, vicar, he's only 30, he's only 30 last week, so you see together we're, we're going to complement each other. Brilliant. Absolutely. I was going to ask Val because um, I know that your background's in academia, is that right? Um, um, more recently, yes. Yeah, yes. well indeed, so because uh, I was just going to ask that question about in terms of what Laura was saying about different things at different times in our lives and I was just going to ask about that and other things, I mean we just heard from Albert about the music, you know, what what different parts of your life are you bringing to this new stage, to this ministry? You know, because you've yeah. said about working with literacy, I remember you telling me before. That's right. Um, I mean, apart from what Albert said about always being a disciple anyway, mm. um, the, the particular thing that I, I think I bring is the, um, the skill and the practice and the theory, actually, of working with adults. So the, the, the academia bit, because I... I I worked for UCL latterly, um, yeah. and my thesis actually is about uh, taking a group of teachers and sort of finding out how um, how they were affected emotionally whilst on a year-long course as teachers. So they were teachers of reading, teachers of young children. They thought they did it well, and they probably did do it quite well. And here we took them on our course, on an ME course, and showed them a different way of doing it and how did they feel? Because, you know, if you've got that sort of, um, over the years you've, you've learned, you've trained, you've, you've worked really hard and you think, I could do this well. And then someone says, yeah. actually, <laughs> for the particular group of children, you could be doing it better. Mm -hmm. how, you know, how does that yeah. feel instead? Mm -hmm. So, um, That's really interesting. It, it, there is a, there's a good kind of match. And one of the things I'm doing right now, just before half term and after half term, is to, um, I've been devising a course on prayer. We, we've done two sessions and I just keep one, one little step ahead of them. So we did that sort of introduction thing. And I used that poem, um, the um, George Herbert poem. Um, and then last week we did the Psalms. Um, and then next week we're doing Jesus praying and Paul praying the following week and Ignatius and so all, all, all of this. But, you know, I, I've sort of been reflecting on Wednesday evening when we, we looked at um, the Psalms and, hey, there's 150, 150 of them and I think they know one. No, no prizes for which one they know. <laughs> <laughs> that was great this week, uh, earlier in the week, when you just called out and said it. You just called out and said it. We all, we all know this. Um, we all know here it comes again. Here it comes. But so, so how did that group of people, small group of people, lovely, lovely people, lovely Christians, how did they feel when they thought, well, this has always been here in the Bible. Mm. I've been a Christian for X years. Um, and it's, it's, it's a whole sort of, you know, richness that, that I've missed out on. Um, mm. And I must ask them next week because they're actually really open. So that's, that's great. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds uh, really great. And I mean, we, we talk about the Psalms a lot and we like to come back around to them quite a bit in Sanctuary First because it's I think... <laughs> yeah. Well, there's that. There's that. Yeah. It makes a difference. None of your guitars, thank you. Just yeah. psalms. That'll be I mean, fine. We used to sing them at school. In, in assembly, we used to yes. sing the psalms. Yes, you, you yes I think there is a different 
a different uh, different link there. But um, no, I just think because part of our role, I think at Sanctuary First is to try and um, communicate the ideas that are in the Bible and, and ideas about theology and stuff in different ways and new ways. And exactly that thing of reminding people like this stuff's in the Bible, like these doubts mm-hmm. you have, these confusions, the all the emotions you bring to God um, are unique to you, but they're not unique in in and of themselves you know we people have had these emotions for thousands of years and it's really startling to read some of it particularly when it's an unexpected translation you know so maybe one you're not familiar with and you suddenly think gosh did Mm. somebody really say that to god or like psalm 88 Mm. one of my favorites actually Mm -hmm. do you know that one you do Uh, yes yes absolutely yeah laura do you know it yes yeah right they were startled, absolutely startled. It really got to them. I could see it even through Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So one of the things was about one of the, when you were talking about turn it, turn it, turn it, keeping on going back and seeing something new, even in the familiar things. And of course, in Psalm 23, there's something always familiar there, but always something new for us to engage with. And I think that was really worth reminding us of that. Although we kind of all kind of know it in some ways if we've journeyed with in faith for a long time, but yet it was good to be reminded of that. <clears throat> and for you to draw out some things again in a new way for us. I don't know how other people felt about that, Sam. <clears throat> Mm, definitely. I mean, um, as I said, you know, before it's one of these things, um, I actually looked up after you, we, you wrote that vow in the lectionary, and it is, I think, the psalm that comes up the most in, in the Revised Common Lectionary, which is not surprising. Um, but, um, but I loved in the uh, piece when you talked about the idea of a love letter, that metaphor, the idea of a, yes. the Bible being like a love letter, um, and that observation that you read and you reread to find meaning. Um, and it's a really nice way a different way of thinking about finding meaning in the bible as opposed to seeing the bible as a self-help book um campbell die our uh, writer a month or so back was saying that you know because he was i can't remember which psalm now but there's a psalm that takes a sudden violent twist halfway through and he was saying you know this reminds us that the bible isn't a self-help book um uh, and if we try and just always read it as just you know six ways to improve your life then that's not the bible it's a lot thicker and more complicated and more interesting than that um and so i think the idea of a love letter is a really nice analogy because it makes you think like about meaning but in a different way because that meaning you know i've done that i've written love letters and read them and been like but what does she really know what does she really mean (laughs) you know because it gets you in not as an intellectual place it's like oh but she really like me you know so i thought that was brilliant (laughs) So, you know, can I go back to uh, the first waiting? I thought that was, again, that first one you, you opened us up with, uh, which is about um, Moses and going off and Aaron <clears throat> uh, making the golden calf. And that, that takes us into the kind of dis- the, the discussion we've been having about imagination and distraction. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, the whole idea of the imagine, imagining the calf, how that's going to come about, getting the gold, putting it all together. Was it a distraction and trying to distract the people uh, because uh, was he going to have a riot in his hands? So he was giving them some form of escapism from where they were, but uh, there was something else going on there. But how easy, it, and, and, and I think you were relating some of that back to our present situation with COVID, that within the Christian community, can we be distracted by this or can we use this in some creative way to wait to see what, what we're going to learn in a new way as church, to be church in a different way and to understand faith in a different way and let our imagination be creative eh, and not just see this as escaping from some of the, the stuff that really we should be escaping from anyway, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but escaping to something new and more creative. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know actually I felt that this one really spoke to me this week it came actually um, at, at the, the right time and it actually really helped me refocus um, uh, because I have been distracted um, I was telling James about this earlier on about I've been, I have been distracted because 
because I've started my probation. Now, usually if I'm starting a new place, you're getting in there, you know, you're getting to know the people, you're going to all the different groups, you're, you're finding out, you know, who are the go-to people and, you know, who's, who'll help you with things and just generally getting to know people and where they're at and what their needs are and, you know, what they're interested <clears> in, <throat> things like that, and where they're at spiritually. But it's been really difficult because... Well, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that at all. And it's really difficult to, to build relationships um, with people online whenever, you know, you're just kind of forming these relationships. You know, you've really got to make yourself vulnerable, I think. You know, you really kind of, and both parties, all parties, I think, have got to be willing to really go into it. So I've had this kind of, I've been like dwelling on this and focusing on it. Um and then it was the, you know, I was just, and it was the, but it was the prayer part of it. And I'm thinking, you know, praying and asking God to keep, so keep me focused on what is my purpose, you know, what is it? And and then to see, well, and actually asking God, well, how can we, how can you help me, God, here? You know, what are you actually wanting me to do here? You know, and. And he actually put aside all the things that would usually matter to me, you know, because that's maybe not what God's wanting. And it's, it can be a distraction having, you know, having had experiences before, having expectations of things. It's like coming in and being, you know, fresh eyes and, you know, being able to think, right, how can I think creatively about this? You know, what God actually wants me to do. So, um, I, I think that that's, and I think that could be, I think that's maybe the problem for a lot of people just now. They're, they're maybe, they're being distracted by what they can't do, you know, instead of, you know, well, what can we do and how how can we be imaginative and creative and seeing where maybe God's wanting to take us and lead us. It's lovely that you should say that, Laura. Last week, um, on question time, Michael Pertillo was on. I didn't hear this actually. Paul, my husband, heard it. And uh, there was obviously it's all about COVID and this, that, and the other, and about why theatres couldn't open and, and all this all this stuff. And he just said from his position of sort of away from the, you know, the the daily ins and outs of all this, he just said, we should be turning the question round and saying, well, okay, so we can't do it like we used to do it, but what is there that we can actually do? Um, and if you, if you bring that one dead simple question, actually, to every situation where you're problem solving, it changes things around quite a bit. So like your position, which I, re I really understand that must be so difficult. So what is there that you could do? You know, is there a local park you can walk a couple of new people around or something? Yeah, I, 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 really that hot. would be good. <laughs> 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 good idea. We can only you can only be up with one more one one other household, of course. That's oh, true. Yes. Oh. So That's true. what you could so do is you, could... you can't actually at the moment. We are, we're in tier two, oh, possibly yeah. in tier three by midnight. Who knows? Oh, well, you could, but you could get your dog. Me. You could meet up with Rosie because you've not met yes. up with Rosie. Val, behind the weekly review screen is Ray, who's a technician and te the, 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 keeping us all together. Oh, yeah, this one. Right, okay. And, and Ray, uh, Ray Manger has got a dog, Rosie, who's exactly the same breed as, as Loris. So, uh -huh. so they, they could get up and have a wee chat together. They could meet up, you know. There's there's a potential romance here, I think, with these oh, two dogs. <laughs> Just waiting to set them up. Just waiting to set them up. Yeah. Um, but no, that is a that is a fantastic point. And I think this idea of because I think we've talked about this before in the weekly review in terms of um maybe it was like songwriting and, and that kind of thing, but this idea of the how limitations and restrictions can make you more creative. Um, mm. And the same in, in improvisation, like in drama, um, and, and about how actually, you know, you need to have certain limits to then bounce off them, and, and mm -hmm. you can't just be in free form. Mm -hmm. And so, so there are ways in which this crisis hopefully, um, 
you know, if there can be some good things that come out of it, it's maybe forcing our hand a little bit. And certainly when it comes to church, like there may be ways in which, you know, when you think about the golden calf, like a golden calf seems very silly to us now, like imagine a golden cow, but what they were doing was not atypical of the time. You know, it was, they were doing something fairly, presumably reasonably conventional. Um, and so there's probably lots of quite conventional things we do that are totally wrongheaded, um, but everyone does it. And so it's probably fine. Um, and so it may be that actually we can use this as a bit of a wake up call to think, well, what does really matter? What is it all about? Well, uh, hmm. uh, they seem to be anyway. saying in, in the midst of, of getting Aaron to lead them on this creation of this thing, they seem to be saying, actually, we want it how it was before. You know, yes. in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yes, good point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's what congregations continually say: we want it like it was before. And and what I can hear church leaders all around the country saying: you can't have it like it was before. And there's a whole lot of people who are quite glad it's not going to be like what it was before. And I think some people might be escaping now because they've been away for so long. They're maybe not going to be going back. Oh, yes. I'm certain of that. I mean, I don't know what your situations are, but we end up, we've ended up with four services, um, including an online service and two very small services and one larger one. And there are folk who've, who've you know, they've um, adapted really well, actually. And that's great. But I'm thinking, you just people's head uh, faces and, and their names just keep popping in my head and I think well not seen that one for a while or this one and and it, you know that's how it's going to be there, there will be people who want who's just who are just taking this chance to escape and of course you know the implications of that are enormous aren't they mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely but I remember being struck um by and this doesn't necessarily link directly but um by something adrian plass you know the, the christian writer said once about the idea of people losing their faith in god and that we often get really as christians you know het up about the idea of you, know, you can't lose your faith in god but he said but i remember him saying once that you know if you don't have faith in god like the god god then maybe that's not such a bad thing, you know, and this idea of the sort of process of unbelieving um, as being part of the journey to somewhere else, you know, and, 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 you know, so I'm not saying that that's directly what's happening in these circumstances with people's relationship with church is maybe breaking down, but there may be some patterns of attendance or participation or, or whatever that really weren't doing them any favors. And maybe they've got a chance now to rediscover God's yeah. Not inside yeah. a church anymore, but actually a God who's in their laptop yeah. or their kitchen. Exactly. I mean, we, in our book review, uh, which Laurie, you you went at last last night. We're, we're doing a we're doing a book review on. Oh, you've called her out, Albert. Sur- That's a bit sur- mean. Know, <laughs> surprise by joy, uh, but yeah, but it's interesting. Uh, uh, Sandy's Sandy's got your name down in the book, <laughs> but. Uh, one of the things he's just talking about, C.S. Lewis, was the, this difference between unbelief and disbelief. Mm. And, you know, and there's a big difference. Mm. And some things, are, there may be things that we need to start unbelieving because they yeah. were never meant to be believed. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean to say that mm. we've got disbelief. Mm. And we maybe need to allow people to draw out of the things that in order that they can start believing in in all in all its fullness in a new way and trusting god i didn't know that was something lewis said wow that's great um is it part of his journey i mean mm. this journey that lewis makes and surprised by joy where he explains where he's coming from from you know having faith to becoming an atheist and a, a materialist and then a reluctantly he says he was the most reluctant believer that's ever came about you know um, because he didn't want to believe. Mm. And it's quite different from people who say, I would love to believe. Lewis says, no, I didn't want to believe. I was forced to believe because <laughs> it was true. Yeah. I think those well, I think there's not, as, there's not, there's no um, enough opportunities, I think, for people mm. to have, to, to raise the questions that are really bothering them in, in church. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And get honest answers that 
actually maybe we don't know, you know, and and for that to be okay, you know, I think too often we try to tell people, oh no no, we're, this is this is the right thing or this is the right thing, and and we we ignore people whenever they've got, you know, they're asking like really valid questions, um, and and acknowledging that, you know, I think that's really important because if people are feel that that it's not um, being acknowledged, then it's just going to, uh, they're just going to pull back and disengage. Yeah, I think there's very rarely um, a formal um, platform for for questioning faith or doubts or, or any sorts of questions, even sort of questions after a sermon or something like that. Very rarely do you find that in one of the established churches, and actually even less so in the non-conformist churches, I would have thought. Mm. But that's why in the Isaiah passage, I came across that bit about, um, you know, the kind of the notion that God is behind Israel and fighting for them and all of this, mm-hmm. which I find really difficult. And I just had to say, you know, there's much that's um, hard to understand in this passage, blah, blah, blah. I, I just couldn't say anything else. And I kind of wrestled with it a bit. Well, actually, I wrestled with most of them. <laughs> I think often we do wrestle. I think this is the point. I mean, but James and I, James and I, sometimes are tempted just not to have these these sections because, but we've got to wrestle with it. I think yeah. it's back to what you were talking about: turning it and turning it and turning it. And um, I, totally. I remember um, Neil Neil McLennan, who works with us and part of the the wider team of Sanctus Media and Sanctuary First, to work very closely together. But Neil, I remember Neil telling me years ago that the things in the Bible that he found very hard, he, he said he, it's like on a, a post it he, 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 he sticks it on the wall and he says, I can't, I can't make sense of that at the moment. In fact, it's maybe not for me. It's maybe for another time in another place in another situation. Maybe it meant sense to someone 2,000 years ago. But at the moment, in, in my context, I'm not going to say it's not relevant but I can't see its relevance, but I'm just going to let it stick there. But then he went on to say, but there's just so much more in the Bible that I do understand. And if, and if I just get on with working on that, I, yeah. you know, I've got plenty of time to work on it because I'll never be able to get engage with all the challenges that the Bible will throw up to me. I think though, if, if you admit that kind of thing, um, it, it gives people permission, doesn't it? Yes. To, to, for them to express themselves. I was reading um, this week in John Bell's new book about Psalms, his use of um, Psalm 88, but also Psalm um, 22, you know, the one that Jesus quotes when he's on the cross. Mm-hmm. And he talks about a couple of anecdotes where he's speaking at a conference and he finds himself using one of either that one verse or the whole of Psalm 88. And he not quite sure about using it and he realizes that that psalm of course 88 hardly ever appears in the lectionary of, of any you know the catholic church the anglicans what, what you know whatever other people follow um and he is not sure about it and what it would mean to people and afterwards on those two occasions uh women came up to him and said can you just give me a few minutes can you listen to my story and you know they they relate their story of um, misfortune or horror or or whatever and you know they're having a good cry as well and that's all fine but the thing is by the end of it they're so heartened because they've found a vocabulary of pain Mm -hmm. in in those psalms and they've been given permission to say to rant and rave at God actually Um, and I I don't think we're really poor at this. Mm -hmm. Oh absolutely. Absolutely. I was just thinking back to, there was a book I read at um, university. I was just trying to see if I could find the name of it. I think it might have been uh, The Rise of the Bible, uh, The Unexpected Story of an Accidental Book or something. But his name's Timothy Beale, and he came from a very evangelical North American tradition. And he had this really, it's kind of partly sort of memoir-like. And I remember he had this bit where he talks about Magic 8-Ball Bible. And he grew up with the sense that, you know, any question you've got, just turn to the Bible and you will find a verse and then that'll be the answer. And that when he was going through difficult times, like as a teenager, he would flick through pages, drop his finger, 
Rediverse, and then and, and essentially this idea that he was given these incredibly unrealistic expectations of what the Bible was and how it worked. Mm-hmm. And I think for many of us, like the problem with how we handle the Bible and how we do things is we don't want to probe too deeply because we don't want to find something that doesn't make sense or that unsettles us or, or that confuses us because that would, because surely the Bible's got to be a constant comfort and a constant solution and a constant guide. And it is, but in a, in a much more nuanced way. Um, and, and so I think the idea that, you know, Psalm 88, which could be seen as an incredibly difficult um, and, and, you know, would this really bring comfort or help to people as a Psalm, but actually, it, as you said, there found a vocabulary for pain and it found a way of expressing something. Um, and so, I mean, certainly we've been trying with Sanctuary First Services to do a bit more of opening things up in terms of discussion and stuff so that rather than having a sermon, we'll sometimes just have a discussion um, or there'll be a sermon and then Albert will be like, well, what would you think of that then? <laughs> you know, and we'll like actually get into mm-hmm. it. Um, and it's partly, and I like that when you said in the day about, you know, not having all the answers yourself, because I think we need to show our workings a bit more um, and, mm-hmm. and not make it seem like there's only one way of reading a passage. And, yeah. and if you don't get it, then you don't get it. You know, James, you just reminded me of something Sandy Smith said a couple of weeks ago. He was on, he was on uh, the, the weekly review and he, he, was, he was talking about, um, again, C.S. Lewis, but he was talking about, you know, how God is not a magician. And, and that's what we want. We want a, a magic. And sometimes people want the Bible to be a magic, a book of magic. And it's yes. not that, you know. And, and, and I think that's the challenge for us to, it, it's, it's much more than a book of magic. But that, that's what we can, tem- can reduce it to, you know. Mm. Mm. Moving on in the week, anybody want to share something? One of the one of the readings that that came out to them, the, that, that that challenged them this week or encouraged them. Well, I just mm. well, there was quite a, I've got loads of notes, here. <laughs> but what I really as a um, as a somebody who is a quite particular about punctuation. <laughs> It is my pet peeve, my absolute pet peeve. Whenever, especially like in social media or text messages, the punctuation isn't right. I like the the punctuating our lives, and it was this I and and I just you know I really into this idea about you know, you know celebration. You know, it does you know it's it's so important to our lives. It sets. You know, it sets the scene, it sets the tone, um, and to not have these opportunities as much this year, um, you know, that it's is very difficult. But then I was thinking, well, you know, how can we do more celebrating in church? You know, you know, to 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 make up for this. <laughs> but I just, I just love this idea, you know, celebration which punctuates our lives. You know, it's just. It, it sets, you know, it sets the tone, you know, it keeps things right. And uh, I really, I really liked that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's one of these things. It's like when um, uh, I think we've talked before on the podcast about um, um, rules, you know, the people often complain about rules. Oh, I don't like rules, but actually games, any kind of activities or vaguely codified that, that we get into rely on rules. They essentially are rules. And it's kind of funny with punctuation as well, that people often are resistant to the idea of all punctuation, but actually punctuation is what makes it all happen. It's what makes it all work. Um, and so it's funny to think about the kind of grammar of our life together and yeah. about how, you know, what do we do? Like, are we currently living a stream of consciousness, um, James Joycean kind <laughs> of life at the moment where the, we don't know where we're starting and stopping and, uh, I read a book uh, a year or so back called Solar Bones and the whole thing is one sentence and it was oh just like God. impossible to read to begin with but yeah. then incredible you know because actually you realize that's often how we think you know we often think in this strange not entirely linked way um, but it would be hopeless for 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 most things you know <laughs> like to, to not have a, you're just craving a full stop by the end. <laughs> uh, and uh, sometimes we need that in our lives don't we we need these moments to go okay let's draw a line so do you think so do you think maybe covid could be seen as a punctuation mark <laughs> a lot of ellipsis i think yes <laughs> <laughs> um. 
dot, 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 dot. Aye, it's a... Uh... But a full stop for some people, isn't it? I, I don't know, but I think... Well, seen, actually, you know, Martha, I think... Martha, I mean, I mean <clears throat> you know, we've been living with it with Martha having COVID, and it, it certainly yeah. is a, a, a time of... Yeah, you do stop and you think about life and how important one another are to one another, mm. and it, you see things in a completely new way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rachel Mann was talking about this earlier. She was reading poetry from all different times in her life, and she has been someone who's, you know, gone through um, a lot. But she was she she introduced us to one poem, which is a new poem, and she has written it within COVID. But she, well, during the lockdown, I think, she was also saying, in in a sense, you have to be outside of that time period, really, before you can say much. I suppose that's wise, but I don't know. Maybe mm. that's not true. I'm not sure, Albert, because you seem to be saying something different. Well, I know that we we talk a lot to one another, but when you know, things are sometimes unsaid. But you become aware that this is quite a serious thing, yeah. and uh, your partner's got it, and you're isolated, and then, and I'm expecting to get it, and, and at the moment I've not got it, you know. And, and Martha's now out of isolation, and I'm out of isolation, you know. But uh, within the last, you know, that's us been out of isolation now for about a week, but uh, we we're certainly been talking a lot recently about just what this experience is meaning to us and um, you know so it does get you do I think maybe later on we will do more reflection Val I think you're right but I think uh, if you're reflective people you will you you can't help but be it becomes part of your yeah Yeah, to reflect doesn't it so maybe there's a certain sense you you will talk about the immediate just now and reflecting back and thinking forward but in a few weeks there'll be something else that comes because it's different, you know, it's necessarily different. Other things have come in between. Mm. Interesting, yeah. Mm. Golly, what will historians make of this year? <sighs> I know, quite an inflection point. Um, mm. And it's strange as well, because when you're in it, you know, it feels like, like I remember, you know, early on in the lockdown, people were talking about, oh, you know, climate change and about how it's gonna be great for the planet because we're all stopping stuff. But yeah. obviously, as soon as we can, we're straight back to everything, yes. you know, like as we've seen, you know, and, and it's strange how in, in humanity we do this, you know, we go one way, and we overcorrect and, and when you think about history and stuff that actually there are some ways probably that this time is accentuating what was already happening, you know, and when you think about yeah. all the sort of broiling sort of issues in the world beyond COVID-19 at the moment, I think we're kind of accelerating like the decline of the high street, you know, even something kind of pedestrian like that. It's like, well, this is the nail on the head, isn't it? You know. So, so here's one, Albert. If COVID is a punctuation mark, which punctuation mark? That's good for you, Laura. Which <laughs> punctuation mark are you going to choose? <laughs> for you, yes. Oh, the easy one would be the easy one. that's <laughs> less controversial, which would be the question mark. You know, it's throwing a question mark at us all to start questioning a lot of things about life, about what's important, about how we do, how we, how we live, you know, what's, who's got value, who are the people mm-hmm. who's got value, what is valuable, you know, um, um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's throwing up all these kind of question marks about human nature, I think, in some ways for us to start thinking about. Mm-hmm. So the worst would be a full stop, yeah? yeah. Just- to have it. For, yeah, for some it is a full stop, isn't it? And then change paragraph, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll never do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is really striking me, Val. This, it would be great to um, really run with this idea of like, because <laughs> Al- Albert does this thing. Uh, is it a Swedish thing? Is it a Swedish thing? You do this thing with the question mark and the arrow and the light bulb. You know, so you come to a biblical text and you think, oh, what's yeah. the new thing coming to me? What's the... What's the insight? What's the question yeah, I've got? With young people. 
yeah, we used yeah, to do it so, years ago. So yeah. it's Albert, Albert brings this out and it's, it's fun. And it, we sometimes do it in a service, you know, to like, what's your hot take, you know, from this text. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just thinking that actually you could have almost, you know, cause we developed these themes and I was like, maybe it's too, uh, too much for the grammar nerds. But I was thinking like, imagine having a week of exclamation points, like it just, it's all exclamation points in the Bible and a week of questions. And so yeah. you know, watch this you space. <laughs> you could have a colon in the hope that it's going to spawn lots of things, good things. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is great. <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, and it's the, the one with the, the community matters. See, I yes. think that's like yes. with the, I, I love the writing and that, the richness actually of the writing. But, but I think that's the thing that COVID, I think, has highlighted to us is, is actually that's what's essential for like humans you know to thrive as yeah. as community you know we need we need people you know we need to be able mm-hmm. to interact with people and and i really liked this i liked what you had said about you know what community actually means you know um and uh, and then the other thing I had really liked about it as well is, is, you know, to see the beauty and the richness and the inventiveness in the world around us, you know, to lift us out of the, the bitterness and the frustrations. And I think that was a really, that was a really hope-filled um, reflection and prayer. Um, mm. I thought that it really, because... Well, it, it was like what we were talking earlier on about the multi-layers at Psalm 23 and um, George Herbert as well, thinking about the multi-layers and that, that I felt that that actually, that reflection was very multi-layered. Mm-hmm. Do, do you remember, I don't know if, if years and years ago, I remember hearing that they would nickname these two odious and soon touchy. Do you remember that, Albert? No, no. Have you ever used it? Yodia no. was odious and Sintichi was soon. Sintika. Sintika. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> so I can't ever read that without remembering that. Not much I remember, to be honest. <laughs> I really liked um, the idea of this pair uh, bird watching. Um, that was a fun specific detail. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something that's ripe for. Uh, for lockdown, isn't it? Bird watching. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. You can still be Absolutely. watching the birds. And I thought, you know, it, it reminded me of a conversation that was going on this week in Radio Four. Um, someone was uh, having a conversation with Rory Stewart. Oh, uh, yeah. And He's and gone over to states, hasn't he? To Yale. And another another MP, a, a Labour MP. And, but it was all about listening to one another. In, in the midst of disagreement, we, we need to, and you know, you're talking about going out a walk together, you know, that people might listen to one another. And it was about letting these two politicians listen to one another, but then they had to repeat back what they heard the other person say. All right. You know, before oh, they great. commented on it. They had to actually say what they heard the other person say. Uh-huh. And, that's good. You know, and, and, and it was really quite a profound, the two of them were really struggling at some point, you know, but, but it, it brought about an understanding between them that was, uh, that, that was quite interesting. That you sounds know, fascinating. Yeah. And I think... These know, icebreaker things to do at the beginning yeah. of conferences, but, but actually deeper, at a deeper level, I think, you're, you're describing... Yeah, to get people to really talk about what what they really and the, to really so you're repeating back what through your mouth you're repeating back something that you completely disagree with, but you're uh-huh. repeating it back in such a way that they the way that they said it, uh-huh. and therefore you're letting their words. You're then seeing it from their perspective. Uh-huh. And I think that's that's actually really important for that sense of, of oneness. You know, because we don't all need to be able to agree with each other, but we do be able need to be able to listen and understand yes. each other and, yes. you know, have a kindness towards each other's position, 
we don't need to agree, but we just need to be able to, you know, I will, you've heard me and that important. <laughs> so, <laughs> you've heard me. <laughs> exactly. So is that, is that an, an idea to repeat back to God's scripture, things that God has said, to repeat back in prayer to God? You know, it's a form of prayer because some people pray like that. And I've always thought you don't need to tell God what he knows already. <laughs> but maybe it's not that God needs to hear it, but I need to hear what God's mm. just said. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Go on, just expand on that a little bit more because I'm, I'm thinking of something else and I don't think that's what you're meaning. I'm thinking of my years in the Presbyterian Church, particularly, say, places like St. George's Strong, where... Sinclair or somebody would stand up and there'd be a kind of a, a an opening prayer maybe the hymn came for us I don't know this opening prayer and it's this in, in, huge great long prayer which was full of teaching mm -hmm. and I used to wonder who was that for was that for me was that for God because like you just said God knew already <laughs> I, I think I'm thinking of in some kind of format where, where we we hear God's word you know about maybe your love endures forever, you know, or whatever it is. You're 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 repeating back something that 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 we're told about the nature of God, or how He treats us, or how He feels about us, or how He thinks about us, and we repeat it back to God. It's a promise, maybe reminding ourselves of the promises of God. Um, it's, it's that kind of praying through Scripture into our lives, mm. and the idea that if we voice it that it maybe goes in in a different level i remember hearing i'm not sure if this is true but that um our vocal cords move when we read is that is that correct i i'm not sure like like that basically even when you're reading you're seeing something written down you 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 know you think about a word you you have a physical response i think i read that once mm -hmm. i <laughs> i'm not sure if it's true but um if it works as a metaphor for now we'll use it and we can look it up but but this idea that you know when we're reading the very act of saying something you don't agree with or something you're not sure of or that you're believing of is actually helping you see in a new way. So I could totally see that, Albert. I could totally see, see, see the, this imagination thing. It's an interesting thing about reading and imagination. The, the, you know, in the ancient world, and even up until, I'm told, medieval times, people didn't read into themselves. They read out loud. Words were read out loud to be heard, to be said, totally. and in hearing them, they took on a whole new, they, they, they took space, they took life. Mm -hmm. But we read into ourselves now, we read into our head. And I wonder if in reading into our head, we, we get the imagination, but we actually don't get the power of the action of the word coming out in, in, in vocal cords. And, the real sounds. Yeah. The real sounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, reading out loud maybe is something we should do more of. Mm -hmm. I remember coming poetry. across that idea poetry. at university. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Val. You would get it in poetry, you know, like mm. a, you know. Yeah, exactly. But mm. In fact, whether you're reading aloud or not, um, you've still got your own interpretation of what the text says. And in point of fact, I, th I think when you're reading alone, in, in your head as it were, you're going to be interpreting more than if you're reading aloud. If you're reading aloud, say, in church, you've gone over that passage a few times, so you'll get it right. You're not going to trip over any long words or anything. <laughs> and concentration is, is on reading that passage to the congregation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So for me, the meaning doesn't go out, but it dissipates a little because I'm concentrating on the enunciation at that point. If I'm reading myself, I mean, each one of us, it doesn't matter whether it's a Bible verse, you could give you a passage of Shakespeare or anything at all, we'd interpret it differently because mm -hmm. of our own experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. I think I think it's um I think it's a just a kind of a spur, isn't it, to engage more with the Bible and to think, well, maybe when you're reading yourself, read it out loud and, and maybe when you're going to read it out loud like I because you say that about you know reading it beforehand and checking the tricky words mm. but I imagine a lot of us don't <laughs> you know imagine a lot of us just go oh, I'll wing it I'll wing it and so maybe Sometimes we do Sunday morning I think no you haven't <laughs> exactly <laughs> maybe we all need to like, like you know. oh it was saying saying um you know you love and juice forever or something like that 
actually your your memory picking up your own voice or my own voice if it's me will will tend to remember that better than say if it was me listening to albert so albert listening to himself will be more memorable to the brain than if i was saying it and he was just mm. listening interesting mm. interesting so that that's a, another angle for another sort of pro Mm. And then it's, I suppose, even further, it'll be getting to the stage where you can, as people used to much more, learn by rote, you know, and you actually can, the text is in you, um, and then you access it in a very, very different way. Yeah, Yeah, and of course, it was a surprise to these ladies the other night that um, Jesus is likely to have known all these 150 Psalms by by heart. Oh. (laughs) It's 150 more than I can do by heart. (laughs) (laughs) You know one. (laughs) One down, 149 to go. (laughs) But it is amazing how people can remember things. My grandmother had a tremendous memory for poetry. You know, she would read, she could memorize poetry that she had learned at school. And and Mm -hmm. I I think there was a generation that memorized things a lot more than we do. I think I think it's going to be key, like it absolutely kind of rediscovering that because I want to read more poetry. And I think part of the problem is that as much as I love it, you know, you end up, you get a book and you read a couple and then, you know, you, you need to think we actually need to spend more time with a poem and let it sink into you, I think. But see, when you're a singer, see, when you're a singer, you've got to remember the words <laughs> and you start memorizing things more, you know, and then you forget them and you make them up as you go along. <laughs> You do it with a plum. You discover in as well. You know, it's like, see, whenever, you know, like I used to try and remember things, you know, off by heart when I was a kid because I was like, you know, I just thought it was amazing, you know, especially like poems and things like that. You know, they touched my heart or, you know, I was like, you know, I really enjoyed the writing and I thought, oh, this is just amazing. So you want it to be a part of you, you know? Uh Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. It's part of you now. And I think we've got so many distractions now, you know, it's like, well, let's rediscover actually what really matters to it, matters to us, and let it be a part of us, you know? So that's like, your your word have I hid in my heart, and it's like, then I might not sin against you, and it's like this scripture beginning to take root in our lives, you know, your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path, you know, so we carry this light, this lamp with us. Mm-hmm. As, as we remember scripture and uh, memorize it and you know I mean, maybe you, we you, should you, have memory verses out oh yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> do you know the most the, one of the most successful bible studies we did in Bonnes St Andrews we did a number of things uh, and for a number of years we, we went through the navigators 2-7 course which was which was you had to memorize it it was a two-year course and in the two years you memorize 65 verses of scripture Right, yeah. And I was amazed at how people took to it. They get the little cards with the scripture on it, you know, and, uh, you know, and amazed at how people memorize scripture and loved it, you know. Uh, uh, and and, and it's one of the groups, I remember one of the groups with an older lady, Lottie, who must have been in her mid 70s, but but she could memorize stuff more better than anyone else. When it came round, you know, in the group, we would always make one another feel comfortable. You don't need to say it out loud. If you've not remembered it, it doesn't matter, you know, that kind of thing. Because we wanted people to come back to the group. (laughs) (laughs) But but Lottie always always knew it off the heart. We used to have to stand up in our class and you'd say your poem or your few lines of a sonnet or something. And then if you've been successful, you sat down. So she didn't know you were left standing. <laughs> I mean, how can you ever love the piece of work after that treatment? There you go. And that's, and again, it's like we were saying about, you know, the overcorrecting. It's like, you know, do you memorize stuff to the point of hating it? <laughs> or do you just yeah. Google everything and don't remember anything? You know, so it's like, how do we get yeah. the balance? Yeah. Hey, listen, guys. You know what time it is? It's five past ten. Oh, oh, oh it's been quite tonight. That's flew in. That's <laughs> in tonight. Listen, thank you so much, Val, for joining us tonight on Sanctuary First. Yeah. 
thank you for writing for us over the years. It's great to have you and be able to, in this new format, this, we started it this year, the, the weekly review. We've now been running it nearly, this is, you know, into our... our I started January, months. didn't We started it yeah. in January. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really been a bit successful, great opportunity to meet writers and the writers to come in and speak about their work and to encourage by it. And I think the community really enjoy it because they can watch it at different times during the week and can meet the writers. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice to meet all of you, actually. Yes, Lovely definitely. Yes, because we've emailed, Hi. but never, uh, never <laughs> met. So. so guys, who have we got next week? Who's the writer next week? Uh, it is none other than Peter Nielsen. Peter, is it? Peter wow. Nielsen, absolutely. So he'll, he'll be starting. And, uh, and of course, we have our Sunday live service. Yes. Uh, Laura and I have been working on that. So that's at 3 p.m. Yes. Uh, how, many would, how many would log into that? Oh, goodness, you're asking. I'm not across the, um, the stats at the moment. Um, so I wouldn't be able to tell right. you. But I think there's a reasonable number of people. I think are, there's a few hundred. There's a few hundred. Maybe, maybe four or 500 people. And hundreds walking, anyway. Over, over, um, over the, and, and, and a smaller amount live, probably. More people watch it back. But... Um, but yeah, so on, uh, on, on a monthly basis, we can, I can tell you, for instance, on the app, the Sanctuary First app, there is something like between 12,000 and 14,000 pages turned every month. And that's just the app, uh, which, the, by the way, the new app's coming out in November, which is going to be absolutely stunning. So g g be sure you download it. And there'll be more than there'll be more than fourteen thousand pages turned a month on that one. There'll be fourteen thousand pages turned by Albert, um, <laughs> and yes. uh, the rest of us yes. will join in. Yes, <laughs> but can I remind everyone too? On Sunday, we are launching our first ever giving campaign for Sanctuary First, because as the Sanctuary First it begins to grow and mature as a community, it, and all the changes that's happening within the, the national life of the Church of Scotland. Sanctuary First has got the challenge to become much more self-sustaining and the community needs to support the, the work of Sanctuary First. So we're, going to, we're inviting those who tune in regularly and uh, get, get involved with us to consider a, if, if, it's able, if you're able to, to help contribute towards the work in the ministry of Sanctuary First. But no one's going to be stopped from coming onto the site if they can't contribute because that's not what it's about. But it's about those who can help will help and those who, who can pray in other ways. And we're going to have a prayer meeting for it on Monday night at 7pm. Mm -hmm. So if you want to join us for our, our prayer meeting for the work of Sanctuary First this Monday night at 7pm and the following Monday as well. So mm -hmm. there you go. You've heard it all here for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to talk to you all. So we'll see you all. Mm -hmm. Thank you again. Thank you to Val. Thank you to Laura. And thank you to James. And also thank you to you, eh, eh, Ray, because I'm sure you want to get um, get back to bed, I think, or maybe get to bed tonight. Get back to bed. <laughs> I, knew I, get, I knew that would get you talking if I said that. <laughs> Take the dog for a walk. Take the dog for a it's walk. Ian yes. pajamas, it's Ian who's so. in his pyjamas. Yes. We won't have Ian next week, but he will be back the following week. So until next Friday night, God bless and have a great weekend. I think it's going to be good weather. Mm -hmm.